Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. Hi. <laughs> Clearly, I feel very uncomfortable doing this without Jeff, but we are going to give this solo episode format a whirl. Jeff did a fantastic one with Mutai recently. Give it a listen if you guys haven't already. Um, but today it's my turn. And today I really want to talk about nail salons and particularly the power, racial classes, dynamics that go into the nail salon industry. And I think I want to track this conversation through firstly talking about, I guess, my personal experiences of nail salons, its history, and I guess just some thoughts on the dynamics and tensions, I should say, that inform the industry. So let's begin. I honestly think it's kind of weird like doing this episode without questions, but I'm just going to do a monologue now and rant and discuss to you and at you. So I hope you enjoy and go on with me to this discussion. So firstly, I just want to say I love getting my nails done. I think there's this whole ritual of feeling pampered, of going with your friends, of going with your family, um, of just like getting your nails done and seeing the art of it and I guess the process of just feeling put together. I always feel like when I walk out of a nail salon, I feel like a whole new woman and I love that feeling. But I have to say, since I've been going to nail salons, what, since I was a teenager, there's always this like slightly, I don't want to say unsettling, but this feeling of slight discomfort of, I guess, just like the physical dynamics of going to a nail salon where, you know, I'm getting a manicure, pedicure. I'm sitting comfortably in this massive leather chair while another person literally waits on me hand and foot. And more often than not, this nail technician is a Vietnamese person. More often than not, they're a migrant worker. And that kind of led me to think about exploring this topic because I think this is something that a lot of people, a lot of women and women identifying people go to, just not go to, but kind of partake in, right? Like the ritual of getting your nails done at the nail salon. But I thought it'd be good to not only understand the history behind nail salons and this industry, but interrogate as well just the tensions that kind of play out and the dynamics that do play out when you get your nails done. So if you've had a manicure or pedicure lately, I will most likely bet that you probably had it done at a nail salon that was run by people of Vietnamese heritage. I'm saying that from an Australian context. If not in Australia, then maybe a Korean person. A Chinese person, most likely someone from an immigrant ethnic minority background in a white society, I should say. And specifically to the Australian context, a lot of nail salon businesses are run by Vietnamese people and communities. And I guess this begs the question of how did Vietnamese entrepreneurs really come to dominate the nail economy, an industry actually of multi-billion dollar value, I should say. And honestly, this dates back to the Vietnam War, which isn't surprising. Many things do date back to the Vietnam War. And specifically, it started in the United States. 
where after or during and after the war, a lot of Vietnamese immigrants came to the US. And during that time, there were a lot of, I guess, charities that, you know, were focused around vocational training to Vietnamese refugees. And one particular charity um, actually provided vocations to Vietnamese refugee women. And there was one particular woman, I didn't know this, this fact out by the way, so this is very interesting for me to figure out. Her name was Tippi Hedren, and she was actually a Hollywood actress in many of Alfred Hitchcock's movies, I should say. And she was involved in this charity that provided this particular vocation to Vietnamese refugee women. And there was a time, well, actually, I think there was like the story of the Vietnamese women kind of at some point or another, they came to really admire Tippi's nails. And it got to a point where Tippi actually invited her personal manicurist to teach this group of Vietnamese women the craft of actually doing nails. And that kind of spawned this industry of nail salons and the nail salon business in the United States. And it makes a lot of sense, right? The training required for nail salon work was not only short and cheap, but the work itself didn't really require high English proficiency and the work hours tended to be flexible enough that these particular, you know, refugees and refugee women um, were able to accommodate to their familial obligations. What's born out of this was, I guess, the perfect nail salon model in the United States that gradually became exported into other parts of the world, including Australia. And that's kind of the history of the nail salon business, so to speak, or in terms of that business being dominated by Vietnamese workers and migrants. Um, it really was out of necessity, but it also became a really lucrative industry because of how cheap costs were in both labor and in operations. And I guess that leads me to the modern day context where it's just interesting kind of understanding this history and seeing that play out to this day. Firstly, I just want to talk about the actual health risks that are associated with work in nail salons before I discuss how that plays into race and class and I guess with workers to this day. So nail salons, in terms of the research that I've done for this, while nail salons are you know, regulated industries, there are still quite significant health risks that are involved with working in a nail salon as a nail technician. So according to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration website, nail technicians may experience negative health effects such as asthma and other respiratory illnesses, skin disorders, liver disease, reproductive loss and cancer due to prolonged exposure to chemicals that are within nail products. Added to that is also the labor of doing the nails themselves, which actually leads to muscle strains from awkward positions or repetitive motions that, you know, understandably come from grading people's feet or kind of being hunched over day in, day out doing people's nails. And I think that is important to consider when you think about the fact that nail technicians also earn an average annual wage, and this is US statistics, I should say, of $25,860 which is actually less than half of what workers earn in other industries, which I think is important factors to consider, right? You have the health risks that are involved with the nail business, coupled with the fact that wages are often quite meager. And it's interesting to consider how often, you know, pedicures are honestly a luxury and I think something that is quite taken for granted within the middle class, yet you see the annual wages of nail technicians who more often than not 
I can't imagine afford to live in the communities in which they work. And, you know, even a report by the UCLA Labor Center in 2018 states that nail salons are primarily owned and staffed by immigrants and refugees, many of who, which, like I said before, are Vietnamese, but they're also Korean laborers and Tibetan, Chinese, Nepalese and other immigrant backgrounds. And it's striking to see that, you know, despite the fact that only 21% of the nation's nail salons workers were born in the US, only 14% of them are white American. And I think just these statistics and these facts and the context in which the nail salon industry operates today, I think it's really difficult to ignore the implications of these statistics, especially in light of the nail industry's low wages and health risk. And I'm not saying that nail salons are inherently bad and they're exploitative and, you know, workers aren't protected enough. I guess I'm not really highlighting these facts and statistics to say that we shouldn't go to nail salons or that they're inherently an exploitative model. And like, that's not the point of this discussion. It's more just to highlight, I guess, the reality that nail salons face very real and physical health risks that come with these businesses and the more often more poor compensation as well. And I guess just the importance of acknowledging this and the importance of being aware of these facts when you do go to the nail salon or when you get your manicure and pedicures done. Because I think there is a really real classist and racial tension that plays out. I think in light of the fact that often getting your nails done is very much like a luxury of the middle class. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, I think it really matters to understand the history of the nail salon and the facts and statistics of what goes into the business today. And I think it matters where these immigrants are positioned physically, right, in an actual nail salon as unequal in relation to the people that they serve. And I think when you look at nail salons and I guess this industry through this lens, it becomes, I feel like, a very tangible manifestation of exclusion, of oppression and disempowerment of people from these communities um, who are still operating within service industries. I just think it's important to, I guess, understand the privilege of getting your nails done, like as simple as that is. And I think it's just striking that to this day, you know, like there's still these communities and minorities that operate in service industries that aren't getting that fair compensation. And who aren't also, I guess, seen as equal. Like, I just can't help but, you know, think about the situations where I enter a nail salon. And it's often these white women who are getting serviced by Vietnamese women. And, like, just even that visual of entering that salon and seeing that, it still perpetuates to me this sense of inequality and this sense that, you know, we're still at your service. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, Vietnamese people are genuinely disempowered because they operate nail salons and they own this business. That's, that's not my point. It's more just you often get nail technicians who are working in communities they don't live in. And I think that's just something that often gets overlooked. And I think the privilege of getting your nails done, I think people often don't think about that and think about the practicalities of getting, or I guess what the worker and the average labourer um, kind of has to go through with getting the nails done. And I guess I'm not saying that we should boycott nail salons altogether. I, I, I think, you know, these genuinely are important businesses for the Vietnamese community. What I'm more trying to say is I feel like 
it is important to understand the implications and consequences of just getting your mani pedi done. Um, as simple as that, you know, and that to me is something that I often take for granted. And sometimes I feel as if I enter the nail salon, I engage in Vietnamese with the people who operate these businesses and it's nice to talk to them. You know, I, I, I think, like I said before, this visual of white women kind of being serviced by these women, like they, they don't even really acknowledge them or there's no kind of desire or need to engage with them and I feel like that really plays out in a lot of pop culture and things you see in tv and tropes of like what are the workers talking about me like that you know do you know what I mean like I feel like there's, there's a sense of othering that's what I'm trying to say there's othering in the space of the nail salon where you have this dynamic where you have the service worker who is most likely a migrant worker still servicing the white person but I guess to me, it's just important to acknowledge these dynamics that do play out. And it's important to understand the implications and consequences, like I said before, of a trip to the nail salon. And just the history of this industry. That's something that I think I won't be taking for granted, kind of knowing the backstory of this. And I guess the power dynamics that still play out. So that's that. I mean, I feel like this discussion... I wasn't trying to solve anything. It was more just a general talking point about nail salons and I just feel like it doesn't really get acknowledged. I feel like it's history and the dynamics that play out don't really get as acknowledged as I think it should. So thank you for listening. And if you like this episode or this podcast, feel free to give it five stars wherever you listen to podcast i think that's what jeff says i never really do the closing so um this is relatively new to me as well um and we'll catch you guys next time all right